Welcome to the series finale of Starting Change. I'm Danushi and this podcast is brought to you by Startup Smart, Australia's leading startup news and opinion site. In this episode, we sit down with a multi-billion dollar telco giant, a B corporation and an international cosmetics brand to explore the power of social purpose to drive change. First, let's hear from George Leakos, the Managing Director of B Corporation Spark Strategy. We've got a very firm belief at Spark and we believe that society can solve every social problem we face. We're just choosing not to. And that choice is an individual choice. It's an organizational choice. We believe that community and social sector organizations are really well placed to find initiatives and solutions. We also think startups are a wonderful place. New thought, creativity, you're not bound. Those kind of organizations are ideally placed to unearth the solutions to our social problems. We think corporates can provide a little bit of heavyweight. Philanthropists can seed fund these initiatives through trial stage. And we think government can then take them to scale. Leacos's work is wholly dedicated to proving that profit and purpose can live happily together. We work with startups, we work with mature corporates and not-for-profits, and we also work with governments in trying to look at system change. And the startups is a particularly interesting area for us. We work with a number of accelerators and incubators, as well as with individual entrepreneurs. Now, if you're working on a startup today, there's a chance that it will take off. There's a chance that it will make a lot of money and that you will be your major business leader. Perhaps you envision yourself as the head of a giant company with thousands of employees and billions of dollars in revenue. Well, let's have a chat with Paulo Sullivan, the chairman of Optus. We hear so much in the media about companies like Optus investing in technology and in startups and in people then becoming startup billionaires. Uh, we felt that actually there's an important balance to be struck by supporting people who want to use technology and startups to drive social good. As the head of a company that injects more than $1 billion a year into new systems and infrastructure, O'Sullivan believes that contributing to positive social change is just part and parcel of being a strong business. So we're a massive investor in Australia, probably one of the biggest outside of the mining sector. So it's really important to us that Australia does well and that the community is strong and the community is good. And so for those reasons, companies like us see CSR as a core business activity, not just a program you do to put in your annual report. There is a growing expectation that companies like ours actually go beyond the business to make a positive contribution to society. We've got to think about the fact, though, that we have a wide range of investors, and many of those investors will be happy to see us do that, but we'll also want to see that there's some sort of link or benefit to the brand and the business in what we do. So at Optus, we spent some time thinking about how could we build a sustainable platform for our involvement in community and in helping sustainability in the community. For us, that's all about connecting people who are either marginalized or at risk of being marginalized and disconnected. At Optus, there are four key areas O'Sullivan and his teams focus on to drive social change. How we can help people connect in areas like education and employment. Second area is what we call digital citizenship, which is how to help young people and those who might be disconnected to be savvy users of digital technology, but to do it in a safe and informed way. The third area we work on is all about inclusion and well-being. How do we help people who are either in remote geographical situations or indeed in remote societal situations to use technology to reconnect and to get more involved? And Future Makers, which is a program we ran recently, is a great example of that. 
This year's Future Makers saw seven social entrepreneurs with solutions ranging from preventing domestic violence to engaging disenfranchised youth score $50,000 each and intensive coaching to take their ventures to the next level. The grant winners were selected by Jeff Gorley, the founder of 110, and Daniel Flynn, the founder of Thank You Group. The fourth area for our CSR activity is about engaging our own people. And I talked about that, the fact that from the top down, we volunteer our time and that we see things like mentoring with ABCN or indeed having very strong on our workplace giving programs, having involvement as to what charities we select. What we find in our engagement survey is that it's really important to our employees. And as a challenger brand, it's so important that we build a company where the team is highly motivated and always looking to do things that are more creative and to be more nimble than our really large competitor. It's also important to customers and to the wider community. A company like Office it takes into account not only its own customers, but the fact that the Australian community has a strong view on what companies like us do. So we're very focused on being good corporate players. There are two myths that prevent many startups from thinking about their social purpose. The first big myth is that you need to think of yourself as either a social or a for-profit business. So I think the two at startup stage are very, very similar. Don't get confused at the beginning. Still make sure your value proposition is nailed down and still work out how you're going to deliver that effectively. And you can choose your social purpose and profit balance as you go. The second thing is that sometimes people confuse the need at startup stage for the hero entrepreneur to have the hero insight. Sometimes it's really great for talented people to look for other people's ideas, or sometimes it's really good for people who have ideas to look for those talented entrepreneurs who are going to help them get off the ground quickly and effectively. At startup stage, is the best time to set down your social objectives. And it's one of the things that big corporate task is how do we get involved in this space? And the simplest thing is to say, when you're starting to do your initial planning, right at the beginning, most people dive straight into like a profit and loss, so they look for a financial outcome. What we say is set yourself a financial target, but also set yourself a social target right at the beginning. That's typically a really great springboard. One company that has done this is ethical cosmetics brand Lush. Natasha Ritz, the brand communications manager for Lush Australia and New Zealand, says its founders brought their ethics into the heart of the business from day one. They didn't want to leave their ethics at home when they came to work every day. So they founded the business on three key areas of animal welfare, human rights and environmental sustainability. These core values have influenced every strategic decision Lush has made to date. They really wanted to make sure that they were having positive impacts and using regenerative practices when it came to sourcing ingredients and ethically sourcing, as well as making sure that where we're sourcing from in the world is paying fair share for the individuals working to grow those ingredients and things like that. More than 20 years on, Lush has become a multi-award winning retailer, renowned for being a powerful, cruelty-free cosmetics brand and an activist. By setting its own benchmarks as a business with social purpose, Lush strives to be better than what its industry expects. We set aside 2% of all of our buying money globally into what we call our sustainable Lush Fund or the Slush Fund. And basically that Slush Fund invests in a range of different businesses all over the world to create ingredients or anything based on permaculture practices. And permaculture obviously has three key areas, which is fair share, care for the earth and care for people. And that's what we really wanted to base our buying 
going on. This fund has helped Lush connect with innovators around the world to redefine what it means to be fair trade and eco-friendly. One great example is the Ghana Permaculture Institute, which is run by a man called Paul. And basically now, over the last five years or so, he went from a small group of a few people to now employing up to 30 people, creating an education center and teaching others how to use permaculture and grow many, many different ingredients from one small patch of land. They saw a lot of wastage of sawdust in their area and he wondered how he could use sawdust and he ended up growing mushrooms from that. So he's a very innovative person and we're trying to work with lots of people like that all around the world to source our ingredients more ethically and more regeneratively. Businesses with social purpose can be incredible agents of change, but how do you find the right purpose for your business? I've often found that those people that have the most effective social impact uh, through their through their work life for those that pick social outcomes that really call to them or match their values or sometimes even match their lived experience. The, the key thing here is you're going to be much more passionate, much more aligned and incentivized if you're chasing a social purpose that's authentic to you. So very practically, if you've had some family that may have experienced some form of mental ill health, there's a lot of work that could be done in that space. So maybe that's an area that entrepreneurs should look at to pick their social purpose and, and their measures. Whereas you might be interested in, in domestic violence, homelessness, women's issues, there's a whole range of them, but just be authentic and that, that's probably a great starting spot. And I think it's really just having that in our mindsets from when we start up companies is that is our choices that we're making going to positively affect the earth and positively affect people and then have that as part of our key business goals right from the start because I think it can be more challenging to try and link them in later on in the piece or 10 years down the track and then tack on CSR as a bit of a buzzword. Right at the very bottom, your end customer needs to be able to see that you deliver them value, you deliver them holistic value value out of your products and services, value in the way in which you deliver them, value in the way in which you engage in a society. And that's where I think corporate social responsibility has kind of come off the rails a little bit. I think it's been very much used as a way of saying, see, we're, we're playing the game, but I think consumers now are starting to say, no, no, you can't just play the game, you've got to be the game. You've actually got to be a driver in each and every way you can. If you are authentically chasing a social purpose that you really you believe in and you've got values alignment with, keeping abreast of it is not going to be too difficult. It's where the social purpose becomes a bolt-on or an add-on or just something that you think you need to do because you should do. That's when it most likely gets dropped to the side in favour of other more commercial pressures. And to mature age startups or growing companies wanting to become good corporate players, Ritz and O'Sullivan have a few tips. We think it's really important to involve your own people in it very strongly. It shouldn't be about giving money. It shouldn't be about just making advocacy. You've got to find things that you can involve your own teams in. Find ways to do this, but without commercializing it, without making it seem like you're doing it for a commercial end. Because in many ways, that undermines the integrity of it and makes people feel more cynical about it. So just let it be what it is and let it stand for itself. And then finally, you've really got to lead it from the top. It's got to be something that is engaged in by everyone in the company, but everyone's going to obviously feel that the leadership sets the example in terms of how they do it.
For businesses who are trying really hard to make some changes later on in the piece, it can just be about really small changes and focusing on going paperless or making sure that all of the stationery that we're using is recycled and recyclable or implementing things like keep cups for staff where they no longer use single-use coffee cup but they instead are given keep cup and given the tools to be less wasteful. You know, we're never perfect, no business is perfect, but it's just thinking of those little increments mental ways to make change that actually make quite a big difference. Natasha Ritz, the brand manager of Lush, ending that story. And before her, you heard from Paulo Sullivan, the chairman of Optus, and George Leacos, the managing director of Spark Strategy. Well, that brings us to the end of the Starting Change series. Thank you to all of our guests for joining us each week and to you for listening in. Do keep the conversation on impact entrepreneurship alive and tell us your stories with the hashtag Starting Change. Startup Smart is on Twitter. Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. I'm Danushi. Bye for now.